7 for Bibles. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. It might be a little in what you have. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adraminium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. So Aristarchus from the Thessalonian Assembly is described as Paul's fellow prisoner in Colossians 4.10 and fellow laborer in Philemon 1.24. While being a fellow prisoner to Paul spiritually, he was not literally a prisoner here, Luke and Aristarchus are going along as friends to support the prisoner Paul on his journey to Rome. We assume they boarded this Adramidium ship in Caesarea. It is explained that this was a small coast hopper, and it was not intended to be the final ship crossing the Mediterranean Sea. Similar to the way we travel today, you might fly in a small airplane to a major hub like Atlanta and then board a larger one to go on to the West Coast. Let's continue verse 3. The next day when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. This is quite amazing. Remember, any mistake could have cost Julius his life. Julius must have liked or trusted Paul a lot to let him leave the ship. Or perhaps he thought for sure Paul would be acquitted and wanted to be careful. His orders were to successfully deliver his prisoners to Rome, not to care for their comfort. The friends that Paul visited with in Sidon were probably fellow believers in the way and most likely gave money and supplies to Luke and Aristarchus to help Paul during his journey. Unlike today, prisoners were required to be fed, clothed, and medically attended by family or close friends. So reading on, verse 4 through 6. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the main. Keeping to the open sea, we passed along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There, the commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that we was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. It was strong headwind. They had to use Cyprus as a windshield and land in Myra. There, Julius made arrangements to put the prisoners on an Alexandrian ship to Italy. Reading in extra-biblical accounts about this area and time, we learned that Rome imported a lot of grain from Egypt. And this was probably not a passenger ship, but a very, very large grain ship. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete, and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salomne. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Haven near the town of Lycia. Again, with difficulty sailing, they had to sail south and use Crete as a shield for bad wind. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea level. Because it was so late in the fall, Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it, reading New Living. The other one says, actually, yours may say Day of Atonement or because of the fast. That's how they know the time frame. Okay, so they had lost a lot of time, and now it was past the Day of Atonement, which begins the season when it's too dangerous to cross the Mediterranean Sea. Similar to how we have a hurricane season here in Florida, 
from July to October. They also had a severe weather season in the Mediterranean from late fall to midwinter. Continuing in verse 10, Paul says, Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fairhavens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, further on up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. So Paul's message here was not prophetic, as we see later in verses 22 through 26, but more of a gut feeling. But Julius learned, leaned more to the argument of continuing on than he did to Paul's argument to stay. Now, this was not an argument to sail on to Italy. Paul had given up any hope of reaching Italy by winter, and they knew they would have to hunker down somewhere. But Fairhaven was not a very fair haven. With its exposed port, the ship could get very damaged by the winds and waves coming. So most of the crew wanted to press on just 40 miles further to Phoenix, where a sheltered port would protect the boat. So they waited for a calm day to start their one or two trips. Continuing in verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, called a northeaster, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. So they they tried to stay close to the coast, but a huge windstorm pushed them out to sea. Your version may call it, in Greek Latin, a Euroquillo or an Eurocolidon, but that translates to northeaster. It's taking a Greek word and a Latin word and putting them together. Okay, continuing in 15. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Quada, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. So it was of no use trying to fight the wind and the wave. So the sailors let the ship go wherever it pulled. During a moment of shelter from an island, They brought in the lifeboat onto the ship. It was probably being thrown around and could damage the ship in the crashing waves. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship, and they were driven before the wind. So they couldn't stop for anything. They just put the anchors down to slow themselves down, dragging on the bottom. The African coast was known as, at the time as a graveyard of ships that faithfully traveled this time of the year. Continuing in verse 18, The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many, many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all was gone. By this point, you know they're desperate to stay afloat as they start to throw over precious cargo and even the ship's tackle. They were lost, cold, battered, and had no way of navigating or knowing even what time it was with the stars and the sun. Verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. 
you would have avoided all this damage and loss. So it doesn't specify why they had not eaten for days, but seasickness comes to mind to me. And Paul gives a little, I told you so, but then he gave some prophetic encouragement, picking up in verse 22. But take courage, none of you will lose your life, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, to whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial with Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So unlike his gut feeling in verse 10, Paul's message here was a prophecy of what God would do with the assurance of hope. There was something commanding about his demeanor and speech that caused the crew to take courage and be encouraged. Paul was in the center of God's will, even though he was, it was not a smooth ride. He had peace. Think John 16, 33. I have told you these so that in me you may have in the world have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Continuing in verse 27. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. I don't know how many fathoms. 20 fathoms. And then they uh, measured again, and it was only 90 feet. At this rate, they were afraid. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. As the sea level reduced, it was imperative that they stop the ship before crashing. By morning, they hoped to see land, decide what to do. Verse 30, the sailors tried The sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboats as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. The, the sailors came up with this plan to save themselves, pretending to lower anchors. They lowered the lifeboat so they could escape to nearby land. But Paul was made aware of this plan and spoke to Julius. Verse 31. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Julius and the soldiers trusted Paul and cut the rope to the lifeboat so no one could leave. Just uh, Continuing in 33, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to you have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off it. ate it. Then he encouraged, then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Paul knew that he would get through this. Listen to his words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 17-18a. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety to all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly. Verse 39. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. But they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. 
So they cut the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward the shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners and make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out. Soldiers knew that if a prisoner in their custody escaped, it would mean their life in his place. So they reasoned it best to kill all the prisoners and make sure none escaped. But Julius didn't want want Paul harmed, so he put a stop to this in 43e. Then he, Julius, ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safe to shore. Okay, so we need to stop here and take a break before going on in chapter 28. <clears throat> Sorry. So do we have shipwrecks in our lives today? Are we smooth sailing in the will of God? Paul is giving us the example of how to go through the storms with faith. There will be many storms in life. Financial loss, marital problems, maybe physical death of a loved one. Personally, I think I'm challenged about every five years with a strong storm. Someone once said, faith that can't be tested is faith that can't be trusted. Faith produces endurance. James 1.3 says, For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Think of Joseph, rescued. David, rescued. Daniel, rescued. Even the apostles in Matthew 14.24 and 27 were rescued at the fourth watch of the night. 24 says, Meanwhile, the apostles... The disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. But sometimes God does not calm the storm. Sometimes he calms his child. Just imagine Paul's epistle to the Philippians in chapter 4. So help me fill out, fill in the blank. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, let your gentleness, or some say gentle spirit, or some say kindness or hospitality, be evident to all or everyone. The Lord is near. Some say the Lord is coming soon. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything or all things, in every situation by prayer and petition or supplication, with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's move on to Acts 28. <clears throat> Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. So the Republic of Malta is an archipelago of islands, but the largest island being called Malta today. Malta in Greek means sweet honey, in Aramaic port. However, your Bible may say the island of Melita. Melita means escape or refuge in Phoenician. So it may be that Luke was making a play on words here, that they escaped to the island called escape. The people there showed not just common kindness, but great kindness and hospitality. Remember that kindness, because I'm going to come back to it. Reading on, verse 3, 
As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. So with a servant spirit, Paul helped to gather wood to throw on the fire. Really? Really? After two weeks of being tossed around at sea, not able to eat, not able to sleep, not able to see, the only light coming from lightning, and the sky was way too dark for even the sun to shine through. The constant sound of the wooden ship threatening to break, overshadowed by the howl of the wind, the crash of the waves, and the occasional loud thunder, the stench of things that were not held in, and the constant cold and wetness. Oh, really? And now this. It's just a snake. So Paul throws the snake into the fire, and he goes on with his work. The people thought Paul must be guilty of whatever crime for which he was charged. Although he was delivered from death at sea, the goddess named Justice would not let him live. For they knew the snake was venomous, and after a long time of seeing no ill effect from the viper... They started to think perhaps Paul was a god. Of course, Paul made the best of this opportunity. So let's read on. Verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the land. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Paul began a healing ministry on the island with the people believed him to be a god. It gave him the opportunity to explain the gospel. I'm sure he explained that he was not a god, but the people were being healed by the one true god. More and more came to healed and hopefully gained faith. Verse 10, as a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, People supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. So here comes that kindness again, like in verse 2. These foreign-speaking pagan people can be so kind and hospitable. What does that say for us followers of Christ? Shouldn't we be kind and hospitable to everyone The writer to the Hebrews, possibly Paul, wrote in chapter 13, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have been entertained angels without realizing. This island had a real port further up the coast than where they were wrecked. If the weather and lighting were adequate, some of the sailors may have recognized where they were before entering there. It just happens there was another ship from Alexandria wintered down in that port. And so, after three months on Melita, the islander kindly loaded up the ship with everything needed for Paul's journey. I'm going to stop reading Acts here. Brother Trent will pick up for me next Sunday. I'll leave you with these thoughts. Rejoice in the Lord in all things. Have faith 
praise God through the storm. Think of the words in the hymn we just sang, that unknown new hymn, Amazing Grace. Uh, Through many dangers, toils, snares, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me. And if you feel overwhelmed by the storm yourself, you could consider what, what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about himself in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored, toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And I found out that this was written before the Acts Acts 27. So lastly, be kind to all people, even to our enemies. We don't have to agree with them, their philosophy, their politics, their values. We don't need to compromise our beliefs, but we do. Thank you.